You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Man, I was like in that position with American fiction where I'm like, wait, what, what is this? I mean, like I, I really like uh, the lead actor here, Jeffrey Wright, but it kind of came out of nowhere. It played Austin film festival here in town and everybody came out of that film festival going, this is shoe and absolute best film of the festival. No question. I'm like, wait, what is it? American fiction. Like he's the only, like there are other notable stars in it, but he is the centerpiece, right? An actor who ever since he appeared in Basquiat back in the day, Everybody went, he's going to be the next big thing. He never turned into the next big thing. But film critics are always like, it's Jeffrey Wright. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> no, I mean, he is one of the best supporting actors we have. I mean, he's been on the rise ever since, you know, he was in the original production of Angels in America. He's yes. just been this reliable character actor from stage and screen. And, you know, the token black guy in every single Wes Anderson film these days. Yes. And I love him in those movies, but it's so rare, too rare uh, to get an actual lead performance from Jeffrey Wright and True. allow him to carry the picture. And boy, does he carry this picture? He yeah, sure definitely. can carry a picture and it's shocking that this doesn't happen more often. And he's insanely good at comedy as we, I mean, like I always think about game night, his performance and that is fucking hilarious. And American fiction is uh, directed by a first time of uh, a film, a uh, feature film director, Cord Jefferson, who had actually worked on a lot of TV shows that were really well thought of, like Watchmen, Succession, The Good Place, Master of None. Yeah, like uh, had and and has won awards for his work on those shows. But American Fiction like hit the ground running, winning a shit ton of film fest- festival awards yeah. along the way. So it was like one of those. It came out of nowhere. Like suddenly, uh, wait, what? What is this? Why is this on my radar? And boy, I got to tell you guys. I'm so glad I made the time, like cut out the time specifically to go like, nope, nothing is going to take precedence over watching American fiction for me. Uh, like one of the mov- movies I most want to see this year, most prepared to be disappointed by, you know what I mean? A comedy. Yeah, I mean, you, oh, you thought it was going to be overhyped? Overhyped. Yeah. Because film festival movies that everybody's like raving about this much. I'm like, especially comedies. I'm like, I'm ready for it to be just okay. But I have that me, happen with horror all the time. But uh, not for me, because I'm more forgiving than you are uh, for horror. Pet cemetery. Like, you, like you're, you're, what? No, but that's terrible. Yeah. That, that I just remember the Fantastic yeah. Fest reaction. Like, oh my God, guys, like another great king. Nobody said that. Uh, Literally nobody said everybody that I, I had talked to. Well, you talked to some dumb all of those people, people you <laughs> talked to were hallucinations. You yeah. were very drunk that evening. Yeah. That's I was okay. going to say, like everybody I talked to walking out of it, like, oh, Jesus, I can't believe we had to watch that. Uh, anyway, the American fiction, <laughs> on the other hand, genuinely lives up to the hype. And I want people to hear this because I think this is going to be one of those low key best movies of the year that mm-hmm. 
not enough people are paying attention to yeah. that I don't think it's going to get the awards for the big awards that it really deserves. This right. has best original screenplay written all oh, over. Oh, or oh, I yeah. guess best adapted because it's well, based off of a novel. There's a lot of novel. There's a lot of competition this year for both those awards. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, this film is, I, I described it as, if Albert Brooks was a black man <laughs> and That's actually pretty good. He, he wanted to make Hollywood shuffle, but set in the real world. Yeah. I mean, but with a little bit of the player. A little bit. Uh, you know, uh, look, we, we, we are going to get into the plot somewhat here, and we're not going to spoil anything for you, but I, I had the same trepidation as you because I had seen the trailer, and it was a very funny trailer, and I think that primed me for a very different movie than what we got. In fact, we got a much better movie than what the trailer sells you. Because if you've seen the trailer to this... It's a solid trailer. It's a solid trailer. It's a really good trailer. But it really sells the comedy, and the comedy is there, and it's funny, but this has so much more heart and intelligence than that trailer leads you to believe, which seems like it's just the shticky, you know, black guy has to pretend to be street when he's really not. Especially intelligence. This is very smart film. Uh, so uh, our lead character here, uh, played, like I said, by, uh, uh, the national Jeffrey treasure, Wright. Jeffrey, he Wright. plays a character named as pretentiously as you could possibly name a character <laughs> as Thelonious Monk Ellison. Yes. Ralph Ellison <laughs> and Thelonious Monk all thrown together. He's a writer. He is hailed as being a very good writer, but nobody will buy his books. Like his books just don't sell. And he is not really interested in being part of the modern idea of what selling the black experience is. And he's very upset by the modern idea of that, which is personified in Issa Rae, who plays a writer named Centara Golden, who is winning all these awards and getting all this notice. For a terribly, I forget the name of the book, a terribly it's like, it's like We Lives in the Ghetto or something. We Be Living in the Ghetto yeah. or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Who is like, you know, a woman who was never in poverty, was raised in like, you know, a, a silver spoon in her mouth, like went to the best colleges and wrote this book from like the experience she never actually had. And he's resentful and horrified by this world. He can't sell these books because they're not black enough. Right. And he's uh, furious that his books keep getting stuck in the black literature or African-American literature section of the bookstore. Because to him, he's as he says, the only thing, the blackest thing about my books are the ink. Uh, uh, you know, he's, it's interesting. He's more like a John Cheever or John Updike type character. And when you meet his family, all of this starts to make sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, he meets his family specifically because his school is like, look, you're kind of offending some of our sensitive white students. So. Yes. <laughs> you can't use, the, you can't write the N word on the blackboard, even if it's the title of a well-known uh, short story We're by Flannery O'Connor. Literally studying African-American literature. And it's out, yeah. It's, it's literature yeah, you, of the South. You're going to hear these words like, well, that offends me. And she's you know, he's like, look, I guarantee you, I got over it. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say that. Get line. over it, you bitch. You can get over <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah, once he starts screaming at the students, it's kind of clear that this is a guy who's at the end of his rope. He's kind of like put on a sort of semi-permanent sabbatical, and yeah. he's got nothing else to do than to go to this back to Boston. And this is where the movie really starts clicking for me 
because again, we've seen that trailer. We know that he's going to write this ridiculous book that he's then going to have to build a persona around to sell. Well, let's let's, and, let's back up a little bit. But here. But, yeah. but but that's what I'm saying. The trailer tells me this is going to happen, and instead, what uh, the 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 screenwriter, what's his name again? I want to get this right. Oh, uh, Cord um, Jefferson. Cord Jefferson, yeah, screenwriter and director. Uh, a name that I really want to remember because I want to know what this guy does next. He takes the time to show you that family and s- establish that this is not what they don't live in the hood. They don't sit around on the stoop drinking 40s and talking, you know, black vernacular. He's very upper middle class. Well, you're wondering because he is very clearly that. And he's like, I do. They're like, why don't you take a sabbatical and like go back and hang out with your family as a vacation? It's like, this is going to be anything but a vacation. I don't want to hang out with my family. Like, it's going to be terrible. But he goes back and his sister, uh, uh, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, is like, right off the bat, you're like, you can see there's antagonism there, but they also are close at the same time. They just haven't seen each other in a long time, but they fall into a vibe rather quickly of like, okay, he's like, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But then a tragedy happens very, very early on in the film. And the whole family has to come together, including his mother, who is... In the early stages of dementia. Yeah. You know, and his brother, uh, Sterling K. Brown, who is just disinterested and separated from all of this. He's like, has just decided it's lost, gotten out of his marriage because he decided he's gay and is really full on getting into the lifestyle of right. like the, what he considers to be that, you know. They spend a lot of time establishing the family and the dysfunction at the heart of the family, even uh, again, the father, who we never see, but is always talked about in the past tense, you realize what a huge impact he has. He really makes you care about this family, and that's where this hit me, because that sort of family dynamic is so well-drawn, so well-written. All of those characters feel distinct, and it's Jefferson, who has his own life, his own backstory, going like, this is not... This is also a black American experience. It's yeah. just not the one that gets sold to you over and over and over. There's and, no gangbangers in the family. That's its main message, I feel like, is like there is no single black American experience. And the idea of the black American experience being like guns and drugs and all this and yeah, like how teenage I, pregnancies and, and the and thing all that. much talked about lately about like I'm tired of seeing black bodies on screen mm-hmm. like you know I'm tired of seeing like dead black people on screen regardless of the fact that we're talking about slavery or whatever it is like black people black people going please stop trying to sell a black experience as just this right and this is sort of someone reacting to that but he himself is also kind of intolerable at points with his yeah. own attitude. He is an intellectual raised outside who's separated himself intentionally from all of this and wants to not tell that story. Like his books are like, yeah, it's a black experience only in as much as I'm a black man telling the story. Like he gets really offended at one point where he's in a bookstore and they put all his books in African-American literature. And he's like this, why it's not about the African-American experience. My books at all. Like it's, why wouldn't this be in this other one? Why isn't this just considered literature? Why, why, why are uh, you ghettoizing, you know, my my work yeah. by sticking it in there? And and again, he goes to this uh, a book fair uh, uh, convention and he meets Issa Rae. And it's a what a wonderfully calibrated performance because you're kind of 
you're kind of already set up to dislike her. You think, oh, she's a phony. She's yeah. a sellout. But she actually is not only very smart, even though she code shifts rapidly, you know, she's bright. She's articulate. And then suddenly she starts, you know, when she reads from her book, it's all written in slang and yeah. like, yo, this so and all Ibonics. that. Sharana Ibonic, asked me. Uh, asked me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and you see Jeffrey right in the back, just cringing and an entire audience of white people just get up and applaud. Her. I mean, there's a really great shot where you just see his cringy face and then a white woman immediately covers his entire yeah. area. Yeah. But what makes us the twist here, which is the trailer already tells uh, you about is that he, he just kind of writes this, Fine, I'll write a bullshit book like this. I get this, shit-faced one night. And I could do this in my sleep. I could, like, because I try to write real serious literature, and I can write this bullshit in no time at all. And he sends it to his agent, who's like, are you joking? You're not serious that you want to release this? Like, Played by John Ortiz, yeah, wonderfully, too. Yeah, who's like, no, I, I get, no, I'm not serious, but, like, submit it, and let's just see what happens. It'll be a joke. And then all of the people who are the people who in charge of, selling books are like this is a deliriously wonderful and raw it's so story raw, of the black yeah. experience they use raw a lot yeah, it's raw it's real and every like, it's poorly written but it's real every it's everybody wants it to be a thing before you know it there's a movie in the works and he's like this is not what i wanted but at the same time my mother is dementia i have no money right like what do i do in this circumstance plus he has a relationship going on just starting with a neighbor from from his mother's house that he's like really really genuinely likes her who is a fan of his previous works he's like oh but she also likes this new book it's a struggle of intellectualism it, it's an interesting film because there's no good real answer right here i like it because there's no real answer here he is he's right and he's wrong at the same time well he he's a victim of his own snobbery yeah and i think there is a great scene which i won't ruin but later on in the movie uh he does have a sit-down conversation with Issa ray's character and he just finally opens up and tells her how much he hates all of this uh and and she answers him point for point going like yeah i can write this too and you kind of want it, it could she could have so easily been set up as a buffoon yeah or and as she's just not, like a, a an antagonist she's kind of like him before him yeah mm-hmm. uh, she's a little more open-minded and she's like hey everything i did was based on research it's like i can make stuff up that's something that writers can also do and you also see with that family dynamic how complicated it is and I got to tell you, if I, I can't speak to the African-American experience, but I do know what it's like to grow up in a certain community. And then because uh, maybe you don't speak Spanish with an accent or you walk a different path, you you have different interests. People look at you and they'll say like, wow, what, when did you get so white? It's like, no, this is just the way I am. And I do relate to that, that sense of isolation that he feels from his own family and from other people, even though they don't meet any of those stereotypes and to have him go on that journey and be to see those barriers break down when he tries to reconnect with his loved ones again was extraordinarily touching to me. I I did not expect to tear up as much as I did, but what I thought was going to be a silly crass comedy, but also at points deeply funny. Oh yeah. No, I'm not denying the comedy. It's just, it has way more heart than I thought. So I kind of, probably fall on the lower end of the spectrum of this movie i really did like it quite a bit but i did fall victim to the marketing which so sells the comedy and like you said 
about 30 minutes in before anything of that sort happens. And I liked the family drama on the whole, but every time it was happening, I was just like, I really want to get back to the satire. Like, I really want to get back to the satire. Even though I was like, what I'm watching is good, but I just want the satire scene. I just found the balance amazing for me. I found it to be kind of uneven at times with that. And I found the, uh, especially the, uh, the romance to be kind of undercooked. Um, But ultimately, I can't fault a movie that's this fucking funny. I, okay, so I want to speak specifically to the romance because I felt like the romance is not really a major point of the film in terms of it being a thing that you're supposed to be rooting for. I think it's there more yet an, to show yet another side of who this guy is. It's You're more rooting for him to relax. Yeah. It's yeah. not really about whether or not they get together. It's about like he has to confront a situation that's really good for him. And it's the thing that where like though his biggest stumbling block, his own intellectual pretension mm-hmm. that he has to get over. in I think the funniest way possible where he's like, I am criticizing you for liking my own book. Yeah. Like, I think you're shitty for liking my book. Yeah. <laughs> With, or, or under his pseudonym stag early. And it's like, Oh my God, it's, it, you can tell he is just throwing every single black stereotype, everything some white person has read or seen somewhere. Yeah. And he's having a fun with it. Uh, even like lip playing out scenes in his head as he's writing these things and you just watch it. And even the characters in this sort of metafictional story are doing their best to to sell it. And you're like, yes, I can see how that would play in, in a more conventional black movie. And to see it, it plays it so smart because he's like, I'm trying to make this look like a real movie or like a real book that people would actually respect. It, he doesn't parody it, even though it's all a parody. And yet somehow he kind of accidentally makes something that people believe is real. It, it's such a weird balance that he strikes with it. I'm not sure I articulated that well. No, but, I think you uh, did. Yeah, no, it's uh, I think find it delightfully funny in a very subversive sort of way but at the end at the end i i I found myself going like i don't know how i feel about this ending but i do know what it's referencing yes which is the player yeah it definitely is a very clear reference to the end of the robert altman's the player at the end of this film there's a lot of there there are some meta fictional aspects to it and maybe any story about a writer who's pretending to be a different writer and gets it sold, maybe it's inevitably going to be metafictional to some degree. I'm not sure that that part worked for me, but again, the family dynamic, the drama of it worked. And you're right, the the relationship between the woman across the street is very lovely and well-played, but it's really just reminding us how this guy has alienated everyone in his yeah, life. It's the you know? one thing you're hoping, it feels like the one point... You're rooting for him to grow beyond that immature intellectual that you're seeing at the beginning of the film. Like, you're like, oh, you have something here that actually might give you a little more humanity. Everyone is begging you to be a little more (laughs) human and reach across the aisle a little bit more and go like, you know what? Not everybody has to live up to your standards, as people say repeatedly in the film. And it's frustrating watching him not be able to do that but that it's not about their romance it's about her serving that purpose there that she's the one thing that you hope is going to give him that and then when she doesn't you're 
even more deeply frustrated. I just kind of wish that character served more than just that purpose. And that's just my, my failing with the movie. Uh, ultimately, I really, really cannot stress how fucking funny this movie is, though. It, I was dying the entire time. And I think this is maybe it might be Jeffrey Wright's best performance. It's up there with French Dispatch. It's right up there. Yeah. 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 I and mean, one of his funniest performances. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Oh, the lines are great. I mean, again, Jefferson Cord. Cord Jefferson, I'm sorry, does a great job of just with the dialogue. I mean, it's very funny. It's very dry. It's very witty. You're like, yes, these are very intelligent people. Everyone in the family, we find out, is a doctor. Yeah. Uh, Except him. Well, he he has a doctorate, but he's like, he's not a a doctor, doctor. He's going to need you to mend a sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Such a good line. (laughs) Great lines like that. But to your point about the, the girlfriend, I think, again, like Chris says, she's there to kind of be less of a character, which is unfortunate, but we, he spends so much time with the family and giving us the backstory and hinting at what's happened in the past that you understand he's kind of a, a pompous asshole and aloof and who tends to freeze people out. But by the end of the movie, you understand how he became like that yeah, and mm-hmm. how he has to break that cycle. Also, I don't think she's fallow either. She's not... No, she's not badly written. No, she's, she's not badly written. She serves a purpose in the film, certainly, and her dialogue is well written, and she gets to do stuff with it. She's much more interesting than a lot of characters would be in this type of story. I agree. Right? Yeah. But, like, she is there ultimately in the plot for one real reason, which is to, yeah. so he has this conf- this moment where he has to go, like, I finally have a good thing, and I'm going to fuck it up. Yeah. Because even though other Because things, of my pride. Because of my own pride. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that because she is at least as well served as she is here because the script is tremendous here. It's one of those Aaron Sorkin ish type scripts at points, not throughout, but where you're like diamonds are falling out of people's mouths. They're just like so funny and clever. It's just a pleasure to listen to people talk in this movie. Yeah. I mean, they're all bright people. It's again, very clear. They're upper class they they're well to do but they're not by any means perfect and every little character in this whether it's the agent or the live-in maid and her you know security guard boyfriend or you know just the random other people uh that he bumps into they're all so well drawn even in the little amount of time they have it's just a it's so generous in its spirit i mean i really came in expecting a boots riley boots on your neck kind of like i'm gonna make you see this satire and you're gonna laugh while it happens and you have those moments but he's also trying to make you think and cry and feel something as well it's like boots riley crossed with alexander Payne. yeah Yeah, a little bit quite a bit uh because there's this whole sideline with like their longtime maid in the house who everybody loves and he's like no she's family i thought that was so like falls in love with like who's had a, a, a crush for a long time but it never really came to be with the local police officer and yeah. and they get it going and it's like it's so charming the way everybody's like yeah we're in we're right the, but kind of is there too there's a moment yeah. where the mother who's in the grips of dementia just says this little random thing to the sterling k brown character and you see just how furious and hurt he is by it and you realize the years of resentment that have been percolating in that family And, you know, if you've ever spent any amount of time from your siblings or dealing with a parent who's, you know, declining, those kind of conversations happen. And it felt so real, especially if you've 
grown apart from one another for a long time. It kind of reminded me a lot of the Curtis Hansen film uh, In Her Shoes with Cameron Diaz and Tony Collette about just a family getting together and the way that movie uses its runtime to really unpack the trauma and also show them healing a little bit. Well, yeah. Why don't you go into your final thoughts, Nathan? Um, ultimately, uh, this is definitely a film I feel like I need to rewatch because I was so taken aback by how much of it was a family drama. And I honestly, if you're listening to this, uh, which you probably shouldn't because we probably spoiled a lot of the best lines in the movie, um, go in looking for a family drama more so than Hollywood shuffle, but modern day. Um, but it's all there. But yeah, no, it's it's all there in succession. I had a couple flaws with the movie that we already discussed, but honestly, this is just one of the funniest and smartest movies I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, I think I give it a 7.8 out of 10. Um, fuck. I'm trying to think. There's got to be. Well, fuck. Copies of fuck. Yeah. Copies yeah. of fuck. Uh, how about you, Marco? I mean, like I said, there was a lot of things here that hit home to me, even though I don't have an exact direct experience with this, but I do think there were a lot of things that I could uh, empathize with, I could relate to, and I think whether you're a person of color or whatever, I think if you've ever just had a difficult family and you've had to just deal with them, you love them, but there's a lot of pain and resentment there too. And it's seeped into your own personal life outside of the family. Uh, I think that'll hit you on that level. The comedy is there. The writing is there. Mm. It's it's a really smart package. But like I said, if you go into the movie expecting what the trailer's selling you, all of that's there. I'm just saying you're getting a lot more. It's like you saw an ad for like, you know pop rocks and you also got a steak when you walked in for yeah. it it's like yeah. hey we're offering you candy but guess what here's a full course meal as well it's hard to complain when you were given more than you were promised maybe you just wanted that silly goofy comedy and in some other world that version of that movie exists i'm glad we got this one because i think this is the kind of film that would ordinarily that stuff would be flattened out in favor of just the silly crass comedy. Yeah. Uh, so how, it's kind of almost a little miracle that it got made and got released this way. And I'm greatly appreciative of it. I'm going to give this eight and a half out of 10 bottles of Johnny Walker blue. <laughs> this is probably one of the best debuts by filmmakers this year. I'd be shocked if in our own film awards, if it doesn't win best new uh, director, yeah. like it's really great. And I was just so thoroughly charmed by it. I just was smiling all the way through this film. And I so rarely feel that way about comedies. Because you're dead inside. Because I'm dead inside. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm 53. I should be dead inside. That's the definition. Yeah. Our our livers are dead inside. Yeah. The rest of our bodies haven't caught up. Uh, I just think this is one of Jeffrey Wright's best performances. I think it's one of the best screenplays of the year. Mm -hmm. Like easily one of the best screenplays of the year. Um, It doesn't always get exactly what it's going for, but it's so close that I give it full credit. Like, like you complained Marco a bit about that. Just put that anyway, anywhere, uh, Nathan. Thanks. (laughs) You complained a bit about the ending, but I liked it. I liked that. It kind of, the third act of this film accelerates very quickly into more of a Hollywood shuffle type of thing. It never gets to the point of spoof. No, but 
it, it really goes from a family drama to like, okay, now here we're trying to get to the, like the underlying metaphor here and the, uh, the, like the subtext. Let's and, give people what they want. And it's funny as hell. Yeah. And it, it goes like the only time in this film that really becomes like Hollywood shuffle is in that third act where it goes like, but what if it ended this way? Yeah. But what if it ended this way? And I'm like, okay, if it hadn't earned it, I would be a more, bit more resentful, but it does kind of earn it. And I'm yeah, like, okay, fair. I loved the fuck out of this movie. I don't think it's perfect, but it is one of the most impressive debuts I've seen in quite some time. And Cord Jefferson is going to be a guy to watch. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, and please just keep casting Jeffrey Wright in your movies. Yeah. I mean, like give him some lead performances for Jeffrey Wright needs more leads. He's that good. Just keep giving him more leads. I don't need him to go and be an action star. I, I, I just want him. You to don't want him to play uh, Galactus. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, I'm going to give this a nine out of 10 uh, alternate fuck titles. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because in the What If universe, where he plays the Watcher, oh, he fuck, actually I forgot he's does already in the MCU. God damn it! He is the Watcher in the MCU. <laughs> sooner or later, the MCU get destroys all your heroes, Nathan. I'm Wait, sorry. What's this? Gene Hackman is I'm, cast as Doctor Doom. I'm running out of people who aren't in the MCU. People are like, yeah, they should be that, that in the MCU. It's like they're already in the MCU. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, isn't that why Pedro Pascal got cast Wait, as Reed we, Richards? Can't reason the MCU yet. We still have room for one more. 